the reviews are in, and we're going to tell you what they are. He's Todd Vandenberg. I'm Rob Steele, and we have got some good news, some bad news, some good movies, some weird movies, a couple of TV shows, and I'm going to start with a really bizarre mashup that I came across just before we started the show. In pre-pro, hi, Ted. Um, it's just the, the, this weird news story that came across. Apparently, Martin Scorsese is making a biopic of the Grateful Dead. Yep. And who's playing Jerry Garcia in this? Why, that would be Jonah Hill. Those are three things I never would have put together voluntarily. No, not at all. I saw that too, and it's like, that's really interesting. Now I can see how Marty would be a deadhead. I have no idea if he is, but I've been totally fits the generation that would be, so. I saw interesting that Interesting choice. choices. Three really weird tastes that, wow. Yeah. I think Johnny Hill will, will be, I mean, he's great. So I think he'll be just fine. I mean, depending on script and all the rest of it, but I think he'll be fine. But it is really weird. Scorsese doing a biopic of Jerry Garcia. That's just, I just hope they go into the ties. I hope at least half of it is about the ties. That's that's what I'm interested in. <laughs> sure. Why not? Um, I've got two Ice and they have Grateful Dead albums, so there you go. <laughs> I'm not sure I've listened to an entire Grateful Dead album before. I've listened to their stuff before, just I guess not in their not in its entirety. I don't know. Very weird. But we've got other news. Let's see. Let's go to the Star Wars universe where we're not going to get to the teaser yet. Give me a minute. Wanted to start with Rogue Squadron. Because that's one that I have actually been looking forward to. There's a lot of Star Wars stuff coming out that I've I've seen and I've gone, am I really that interested? And most of the time I'm thinking, no. <laughs> but Rogue Squadron had Wedge in it. Wedge was my boy. And I want to see where they're going with the Rogue Squadron movie, which has now been indefinitely delayed, although I'm loving the reason for it. The reason is Patty Jenkins, who is directing this, has other things to do than wait on Disney to make up its mind on which script it wants to use. So she said, look, you guys figure out the script. I'm going to go do something else. Get back to me when you've made up your mind. I love that. Good call. I mean, I'm, I am I wasn't a big fan of Wonder Woman 84. Wonder Woman? Yes. Wonder Woman 84? Not as much. Yeah. But uh, you know, she's bad. done other stuff, I know. But that's where a lot of people know her from. And if she wants to go do other things, yes, do it. That's what you're supposed to do, especially when Disney can't figure out what kind of a script it wants to use. So, yeah, bad news for Rogue Squadron, but good news for Patty Jenkins fans. Indeed. I guess. Now we can talk about the teaser. Uh, The Obi-Wan series is forthcoming. I'm going to let you do this one because you you, uh, you saw it before I did. Well, It is definitely a teaser. I think it's all of, what was it, two and a half minutes long? If and most I, of it was interview. Yeah, most of it was interview. There's just a few quick scenes. But, of course, Ian McGregor is back as Obi-Wan, and it takes place, I believe they, he said it's set, what, 10 years after the uh, events of the Sith? Yep. Which is works out really well, because that's about how long it's been in actual time. <clears throat> so... It is quite lovely because uh, two, re- three reasons in my mind why it's quite lovely is first we get Obi Wan back, which is awesome. Second, it's Ewan McGregor who is 
fantastic. He was literally he is the only thing that I really like of any of those three prequel atrocities because he did a fantastic job in recreating Alec Guinness. I mean, he seemed very much like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what Alec Guinness would be like. I'm sorry, Sir Alec Guinness would be like at that age. I mean, it was absolutely terrific. And Darth Vader comes back. That's the second big thing, which is nice because this we do get. And I'm sorry, the teaser's been out for what, two weeks now. So if 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 you're upset about getting a spoiler for a teaser that's been out for two weeks, is like then what the hell are you doing listening to our show? Yeah, really, Ted. What's your problem? Hi, Ted. Anyway, and <laughs> the third thing that makes me happy, which probably a lot of people are going to think, what? Why is this making you happy? But Hayden Christensen is back in playing Vader, which I like the idea actually. I yeah, I love the idea because not one up you because I like you I, I like the idea but he had virtually no direction in those movies. I'm, Liam Neeson was borderline boring in the first. I'm film. not sure I'd go with borderline. I I could push him over that border. Yeah, I mean, how the hell do you and, take and an actor like how do you make Natalie Portman look terrible? I don't mean physically, but just as an actor, she looked like. She was would have been booted from summer stock in a town of 500 people. She was so damn bad. She's an excellent actress. She was before that. She was after that. Hmm. George Lucas, could he possibly have had anything to do with the terrible, the fact that almost everybody in those films acted as if they were made of cardboard? So Hayden Christensen now actually gets to act with the director, who knows what the hell they're doing? I have no idea who it is, but it won't be George Lucas. Therefore, it's an improvement. It could have been a rat that lives in a wall. It would do a better job. So Ouch. really cool that Hayden Christensen is going to get a chance <laughs> to be redeemed as an actor within the Star Wars universe. So I'm really happy to see that. And Ewan McGregor, in the teaser, is the one who brings that up and says, not to the extent as like, yeah, he really got a job because George Lucas can't do his goddamn thing right when he's directing <laughs> But he did say he was very excited to have Hayden Christensen back and working with him again, which was very generous of him because, you know. And that, there was a line in there about something that now we get to hit each other, hit each other over the head again. <laughs> yeah. And the teaser, of course, does have, which is the best thing about the teaser, it does have footage of Obi-Wan facing off against Vader. It's like, ooh. Super chills. So, I mean, I'm excited about the Boba Fett series, Rogue Squadron, all of it. The next season of Mandalorian. But this is the series that's going to blow the roof off of everything. As long as it's done at least adequately. Which, considering how good the Mandalorian is, I have a feeling it will be excellent. So, that's really, really big news. Whenever it comes out. Which I believe is what next year is what they're projecting, or I believe that I believe it's going to be uh, August next year. There you go. Woo! So that'll be good. Um, actually, something else coming out of Disney, and this is this is where we get some conflicting storylines. I saw on a movie news website this week. Uh, I was talking about the new, you know, the the, the, the new Spider-Man movie is coming. Everyone's looking forward to it mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to some extent, anyway. And I saw consecutive headlines on a movie news site. It said, Tom Holland is the new Robert Downey Jr. of the MCU. 
the guy who's going to bring everything together and the main character of <laughs> stage four. The next article was Tom Holland talks about his last appearance as Spider-Man. <laughs> exactly. I saw the same two articles. <laughs> did, 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 did you have an editor for this site and get, did no one look at this and go, hang on a minute? Pretty funny. All there's right. a quote. There's a quote from Holland saying that remember exactly. So I'm paraphrasing here, but that uh, there's a serious problem. He's still playing Spider-Man when he's 30. I, I saw that. I went, yeah, that's, that's, that does make sense. Yeah. I totally <clears> get his, his where he's coming from with that. So, uh, yeah, it'd be interesting. Also, there was some teaser somewhere saying that he's very interested in being the new bond, which there's something, uh, yeah, someone said he, he won't shut up about wanting to be the new bond. Although, <laughs> Tom Holland, shut up. What? <laughs> yeah. He could pull it off, but that would be a, a sea change in, I mean, he's an actor after all, and he's a very good actor, but talk about a difference in character between Peter Parker and James Bond is like, holy cow. I'm not knocking Tom Holland, but I don't want to see him as Bond. Yeah, he's not going to be the new Bond. Especially if you've seen the most recent movie, you'll know why he probably can't be Bond. Hint, hint. Yeah. But it's been out a couple of weeks. I can kind of drop hints, but I'm not spoiling it. I'm dropping hints. Yeah, he's not going to be. So it's not it's not going to happen. So okay. actually, since we we're, we're, we seem to be wandering through time and a lot of this stuff, because Tom Holland <laughs> would have to go back in time to get to, to be Bond, I think. Did you see the thing about Harry Potter this week? This, uh, this, which thing other than the reunion show they're doing? Yeah, the, re the reunion show. Um, the way it was advertised. Harry Potter 20th anniversary return to Hogwarts. It's premiering on HBO Max on New Year's Day. Great. And it says, in uh, who is showing up in this show? And it said specifically, Daniel Radcliffe, Rupert Grint, Emma Watson, and others. And others. And others. Well, I'm not sure how many of them will still be alive by the by the time they've uh, filmed it. I guess so. Uh, you can put other <laughs> put name put character names if nothing else. That's rather funny. And others. Others and noticeably not the author of the books on which this series of films is based. Huh. Actually, that's a good point. I didn't even notice that, but you're right. You'd think having her there would be a thing. Was she yeah. actually in any of the films? And if not, why not? An article I saw specifically stated that she is not appearing. Not just that, oh, they left her out. It's like, she is not in. Really? And that's because of, well, for one thing, how often is an author of a book involved in a reunion of a film? I mean, you know, we don't get these reunions very often. But it would be kind of weird if she was in it anyway, honestly. I mean, it's not like a celebration of the anniversaries of the books, it's of the films. That's true. It would make sense if she was, but it also not exactly necessary. But in light of the fact that she still has a major problem with, I don't know, what, what percentage of the population of humanity doesn't think they should exist, it's like kind of weird. So, yeah, I can see why they don't really want, want her there. Yeah, I guess it does make sense. It's kind of an odd thing, though. Yeah, me, kind of in my thing. head. Actually, speaking of odd things in my head, 
because we're we're doing a kind of a time travel thing because all the stuff where we're we're actually reviewing this week is either remakes or rehashes or director's cuts of things that came out a while ago. Yeah. And it got me to thinking about Blade Runner, mm-hmm. which I know has a great story to it, but it it falls into the th- what I'm calling now category three. Category one. And I'll get you through this. Category one is a film that has, here's the plot, and we're going to go through it. Here we are, going through it, going through the plot, going through the plot, kind of action-based, fast-paced, here we go, category one. Category two, here's the plot, but we're going to go through it slower, build suspense, build intrigue, make you want more to come. Lots of trailer teasers and trailers and uh, cliffhangers. It's a slower paced movie. Then there's Blade Runner, which is category three, which is wake me when they start doing something. (laughs) It's a great story, but God, just can we move along a little bit? Yeah, I know there's a, there's some origami animals here and there. Fine. Tell us what they're for or move on. Anyway, Rob, the reason I started thinking about Blade Runner remind was because there's a... Sorry, what? The remind everyone how much you enjoyed the action of Mad Max Fury Road, which you thought was boring and... It slow. was fine. It was better than... <laughs> it was faster place than Blade Runner. <laughs> that it is. Anyway. But, okay. Runner. Blade Runner has a TV series now called Black Lotus. Uh, it is part of the Adult Swim thing on Cartoon Network because it's an anime series. Except it's not drawn. It's computer generated. And I'm not going to be very nice to it because it doesn't it, 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 it's not animated in the same way as something like, you know, something from Pixar where you go, oh, that's an animated film. This looks like a cutscene from a PS2, maybe a PS3 game. That's the quality we're going for here. It's not spectacular. And I've heard about this for years. You guys have had time to make it. It, it should have looked better than this. That's a big But uh, anyway, it's set in the same world as Blade Runner, which, as we know, really can't happen now because the first Blade Runner movie happened, what, two years ago? And I still don't have a flying car. Hint, hint. <laughs> yeah, really, where are those damn cars? But uh, the main character of this, uh, Blade Runner Black Lotus, is Eve. Eve, uh, and I'm just going to walk you through this a little bit. Eve woke up in the back of a semi uh, with no memory. She's barefoot and has an encoded device that she can't access. So she steals some, some shoes from the truck, uh, runs into a street gang after she had you know, they get to L.A. Uh, she beats them up and is wondering how she was capable of doing that. Then she meets a guy who might be able to get into the device, but to the device, but won't because of threats from the gang. So she borrows a sword, kills most of the gang and goes back to friendly guy who says he can't get into the device. But the guy upstairs might be able to. They can't. They go up to see him. They can't wake him up. Tune in next week. <laughs> <clears throat> And I am not feeling this series in the slightest. I don't care about Eve. There's nothing about her that made me go, ooh, there's a character I want to follow. Friendly guy. Friendly guy's kind of a dick. 
the street gang wants to kill everybody. There's nothing really there to like. And looking at this, it really does look like a just a cut scene from a video game and not a particularly good one. Uh, With all the stuff that everyone was putting on Blade Runner as being a great series, which is kind of weird because there's just two of them, but it's a great series, question mark, I was expecting more. I mean, this was eagerly awaited, and it gave us, well, it gave us episode one. And episode one was just kind of, eh, we don't want it to be, eh, you want it to be, yay, but it's not, it's, yeah. eh. That's not good if you can't hook the audience in with the first episode. Yeah, big trouble. I mean, I, I, there's a lot of anime series, and I'll even say Ghost yeah. in the Shell, which you guys know I love, is a an anime series that followed the typical anime formula of the first three episodes are usually fluff so you can get an idea of what the uh, <clears throat> excuse me of what this universe is like but blade runners already had two full-fledged movies we should know what this universe is like as a matter of fact we do know what this universe is like and yet it's still kind of you know out of the gates it completely tripped on all four of its feet yeah, that's not good at all. It's, and I haven't seen it, so, you know, just going from what you're saying, but it just certainly seems like, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of tie-ins to the Blade Runner universe. It, well, it, I mean, if you look around there, it <clears throat> everything looks like, uh, if you walk around that corner, oh, there's Deckard and some replicants. It, it looks like Blade Runner. You know, there's that big Pan Am advertisement. There's the big uh, geisha woman selling Coke or whatever it was on the. So yeah. you, you look at it and, and see the flying cars and you go, this is the Blade Runner universe. We just don't know any of the characters that we're following at the moment. Or why we're following them. Or why we're th- other than I, I suppose you can go, well, why was she in the back of the truck barefoot? I don't care, but. <laughs> Yeah, there's just nothing, nothing compelling about the characters. And I'm I like characters. I want there to be more characters. I just want to know about the characters. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the problem. I mean, if you don't have compelling characters, you don't really have anything. I mean, regardless of what's going on, you know, whatever the amazing action and catastrophe or whatever it is. If you don't connect to the characters, it doesn't matter what the action is, because who cares what happens to them? So. Now, we can oh, actually oh. flip this in, in a very interesting way, because this week we had a movie series that got turned into an anime, but also an anime that got turned into a TV series. We did. Which I'll admit, I forgot about until this morning, so I didn't watch it. You did, however. I did. Anyway. So we are talking about Cowboy Bebop, and Cowboy Bebop is a much-praised, uh, much-loved anime series, <clears throat> which was just one season by design. came out, I think, in 85. And while I'm talking, I know Rob will double-check because I didn't check myself in pre-po. Again, hi, Ted. But <clears throat> And there was a lot of less-than-gruntled commentary about oh, why are they doing this? Why are they making a live action when they've got... And literally, Netflix has the anime series. So why would you bother making it? It's like, here's why. 
I guarantee you probably 10% of the people that subscribe to Netflix even know what anime is. 90% of them don't. That's and out of that, true. probably half of them have never heard of Cowboy Bebop. <clears throat> They're not, they didn't make a live-action adaptation of Cowboy Bebop for the fans of Cowboy Bebop. They made it for all the people who haven't seen it, who won't see it, who will never watch it. It's a cartoon. You know, it's that attitude. That's why they did this. In light of that, I think, and I've only seen the first three episodes, but in light of that, I think this is very successful. Is it as good as the animated version? So far, no. Like, this is one of the best anime series ever. What are the odds that they would make one of the best live-action series ever? It's like, not that great. So, calm down. I mean, it's it's gotten ripped quite a bit by people who are just, oh, my God, it's not the series. It's like, yeah, no sh**. <laughs> what would be the point in making a live-action series shot-by-shot shot remake? It would be like when Gus Van Zandt did the shot-by-shot shot remake of Psycho, which was... Brutally terrible. Well, there was no point in doing that other than just saying, hey, look, I can remake a film and not make it very good. So <clears throat> stars John Cho as Spike. And if you don't know the series, that will mean nothing to you. But he is the, the main protagonist and his buddy Jet, who is also a bounty hunter. This is set in outer space. They're bounty hunters in space. Mars is colonized. Venus is colonized. They run around collecting bad guys. So basically each episode, there's a new bad guy to go catch. And there's also an overarching overarching main baddie that they're after. Who happens to be with Spike's uh, ex-wife? Kind of complicates things just a little bit. <laughs> Spike was part of a criminal syndicate who all think he's dead. Uh, that kind of complicates things a lot. So there's a lot of intrigue going on. It's uh, it's set in a very weird retro futuristic world. There's a lot of jazz in this series, hence Bebop. The name of their ship is Bebop. So, and the themes of jazz, not just the music, but just the whole concept of improvisation runs through the whole thing. The spike basically lives by imp- improv- improvising his entire life. But <clears throat> it looks very cool. Has a great musical score. Oh, yeah. We're kind of hyped because, was like, oh my god, the original composer for the anime series is the composer for this, which is cool. So that's one of the few things most people do like about this. It is definitely violent and bloody. It's like, ooh, shocker. A violent, bloody action series on Netflix? Can't believe that. No, can't be. <laughs> can't be. But it's not overly gratuitous. It makes sense. I mean, you fire off some gigantic weapon at somebody, and it takes off their hand. It's going to look gross, and it's Netflix, so they're going to show it to you. But it's not constant. It just there's a couple things here and there. But the acting is really good. Effects are very good. Clearly, they spent a lot of money on this, um, unlike uh, the animators on Blade Runner, Black Lotus. And again, I'm just three episodes in, but so far, really, really good. They're just kind of building the crew together. Um, it's, it's There's quite a crew in the uh, original series, and we only really have two of them so far. The third member has shown up, not really quite a member of the crew yet. We're waiting on a couple more people. And apparently, 
They do uh, show up. The last episode. But that's okay. <clears throat> so so good. I really enjoy it. Is it as good as the animated series? No. But I can watch the animated series if I want to. I'm interested to see what they're going to do differently with this, how they're going to make it, spin it. And I guarantee you, if people will give it a chance, instead of paying attention to the peop- to the fanboys who are going, oh, my God, this is terrible. Like, if you've never seen Cowboy Bebop, you have nothing to compare it to. Just watch it. I'm pretty sure if you like futuristic action, if you like science fiction, if you like jazz, you'll like the show. So far, I'm quite entertained by it. And it's not as old. I, I can't, you were right. I, I thought it was in the mid-80s that it would have come out. Um, because that, for some reason, that, there seems to be a mid-80s style to it. Uh, 98. Ah, okay. Well, I, I seem to remember seeing something about the 90s, and I went, nah, I can't be right. But, yeah. Yeah. It definitely has an 80s feel to it. Probably because of the way Spike wears his jacket. <laughs> but uh, That is entirely possible. <laughs> but if, if you're a purist, then by all means, watch the animated series. It's right there on Netflix, too. So not like, not like they bought it up and hid it and kept people from watching it, which mm, some streaming services have done things like that. Like, oh, we didn't want any comparisons, so we're going to buy the rights to it and Shelve it until our thing comes out. Just I can't remember what who what, who did that, but I know that was a few years ago. It's like, oh, that's interesting. You can't watch the original. Anyway, yeah. good stuff. The anime is excellent. So far, the live action, really good. Definitely worth a watch. But it didn't come out in the 80s like the other thing you watched? It did not. The other thing I watched is the... <laughs> A recut, a director's cut, although it's not officially titled that, of Rocky IV. This is called Rocky versus Drago. Rocky IV. And Sylvester Stallone, who wrote and directed the original, decided, I have no idea why, but he decided the time was right to uh, do a recut and re-examine the movie and re-release it. And it is out streaming now for... Everyone's perusal for rental or purchase. I don't think it's free on anything. But uh, what he did is basically lop out about 20-odd minutes of the original version, put another 20 minutes back in of footage that was already done at the time. Nothing was reshot because it would be a little difficult considering how long it's been since the original came out. Yeah. And it is a better film than the first. Um. Took a lot of Polly out, thank God, because Polly works in the first film. After that, he doesn't really work because all they focus on is is the annoying part of his character. And in Rocky IV, it's really terrible. He gets the the, the robot for Christmas, and he, it's just ugh. that whole entire thing is gone. Thank God. Paul, That's Polly not a bad thing. Three minutes of screen time, which is <clears throat> just enough. <laughs> two minutes and 59 seconds too many? Yeah. There's uh, more background between Rocky and Apollo. It still has it still has too much uh, of the flashbacks from the previous films, just like the original version did. Could have done without some of that. Could have done without the three different uh, music video montages of the previous films. It's like, oh, let's pad this out. It's like, God, no, let's not do that. But unfortunately, those are still in there. 
Eh, not that they're terrible, but really dated, dude. Really dated. Might have taken some of those out. But there's more of uh, Apollo Creed and Rocky's relationship, which is good. There's more of the first fight that Drago has when he's fighting Creed. Creed comes off as much better. have no idea why the hell they cut that part out to begin with. Because in the original version, it makes Apollo Creed look like, like I was in against Dolph Lundgren. <laughs> in this version, it's like he comes off, at least initially, as much better. And then he's finally overwhelmed. Make, it makes a much better picture of, of Apollo Creed. Uh, and, and one of the best things is it just gives Carl Weathers more screen time. Because he gives, by, to me, by far, he gives the best performance in the movie. He's got well, the he's best. probably the best actor in it, isn't he? Yeah. I mean, Stone can be really good, but he, Stone really didn't give himself a lot to do in this film, which is weird, but he really didn't. Um, other than, you know, the, the, the typical kind of goofy Rocky stuff, which is, which is strange because, of course, he wrote the first film. And the first film is great. And after that, it just started this long, slow decline. Um, so it's, it is a little odd that, that Stone didn't give himself a, a better part, but he, but he really didn't. Um, but, yeah, Carl Weathers is excellent in this. Duff Lundgren, he's fine. He doesn't really have much to do. They, I, I can't really say they flesh his character out <laughs> because there's still really no character there. But he does have a few more lines, and you do get uh, a little bit of uh, an idea that, oh, he's actually a person as, a poor, as opposed to this robot, which is good. I think Bridget Nielsen may actually have a few less lines, which is excellent. Um, no argument. Yeah. The climactic fight is longer. Not by much, but it's longer. And this is my main problem with the film is the fight scenes are just so unrealistic. <laughs> Which is not really great for a boxing film, but if anyone remembers most of the Rocky films, one fighter will slug the other one about five or six times. Then the other fighter will slug the other one five or six times. And they'll trade back and forth. There's very little actual back and forth like there would be in a real match. <laughs> There's occasionally it happens, but it's just, oh, I'm going to throw eight haymakers. And you'll stumble and fall, and you'll get up, and then you'll hit me eight times. It's, it's... <sighs> there, <clears throat> There's a difference between trading blows and trading blows. Yeah, it's just, it's just, unfortunately, it's almost laughably bad. And it would have... What about, I can see it'd be really difficult to re-edit that footage to make it more realistic. But the fact that the fight's longer, the fight itself isn't depicted as longer, but there's more footage of it, makes it even more apparent of just how over-the-top stupid it is, which is really, really unfortunate. Uh, thankfully, that's one thing we didn't get with uh, the Creed films with Michael B. Jordan, but... Uh, is it better? Yes. Is it worth watching? If you like the Rocky films? Yeah, I'd say it's worth watching. Uh, for nothing else, because Carl Weathers gets more screen time. And he is 
he's really good. He's really good in this movie. It's really fun to see him uh, playing the over the whole sequence where the press conference where he's going at Drago and they have the big almost come to blows on this on the stage and he turns to Rocky and says, "How was it? Was it okay?" And where it's, he clearly makes it <laughs> that it was all just a setup and he was just acting. Of course, not realizing that Drago wasn't, but it just really is a good testimony to his acting skills. I mean, Carl Weathers is one of the guys who really never got got enough uh, screen time in anything, really. That's why it was nice to see him in Mandalorian. True. Dude, dude is good. Dude is really good. And he did excellent work in Rocky IV. Uh, like I said, if you like the Rocky movies, totally worth watching. It's better than the, the first one. Uh, I, like, I really like the fact that he took out a lot of stuff. A lot of director's cuts or special editions when the producers put it together or God knows who puts it together. They just add footage and it's outtakes and you then see why they were outtakes. In this case, yeah, kind of wonders like, dude, why didn't you have this in the original version? This is definitely <laughs> a better version of the film. Like I said, less Polly, a little more Apollo. <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, the fight sequences are longer. Again, uh, they're not very realistic, but there's at least more fight sequences, and they are boxing films after all. So it's it's definitely worth a watch. Not, not well. too shabby. As far as director cuts go. Well, you went back to the 80s for yours. I actually watched something that came out this week, but it has a lot of ties to a movie that came out even before yours did. Indeed it does. Uh, actually got to, I, I have been waiting for this movie for a while now. And I actually got to go see Ghostbusters Afterlife. Ooh. I really wanted this to be good. Uh-oh. And you know what? This was brilliant. Ah, I love it. Uh, it felt very much like the end of a trilogy. Kind of, and I'm, I'm going to compare this to Star Wars. What? An 80s thing? No, can't be. Yeah, I'm going to. <clears throat> it's very much like Star Wars in that if you watch the first, the first Star Wars, you go, that was really good, like Ghostbusters was. Only this time, Ghostbusters Afterlife, the third one in the series, is their Empire Strikes Back. Where I think, I really do think this was a better film than the other. I like, and I liked Ghostbusters too, but I think this was probably the best of the Ghostbusters films. Wow. That's saying a lot. Um, I guess to give you an idea of the storyline, the Spenglers, Egon's (laughs) daughter and grandkids, are broke. They've had not particularly good lives. Um, Egon one of the original Ghostbusters had uh, left and no one really knew why um, he left the Ghostbusters. He left his family and he went to live in, I think it was Oklahoma and you know, no one knew why. And we do kind of see him at the beginning of the movie and he gets killed and well, kind of goes with the actor, Harold Ramis who died before this was even made. Right. So there's a reason for it. The Spenglers inherit Egon's house in the middle of nowhere, which is great because they got evicted at the beginning of the movie anyway. Now they have a place to live, but they've got to uproot everything, move to this small town where it turns out 
that this town was founded by the guy who built Dana Barrett's building in the first Ghostbusters. <laughs> and all the material that he used to make that building, this is the town where he got it from. Uh, so you can kind of see where this story is going. And you know what? That's fine. I mean, it's got the ties to the first movie, but it's also got some incredible effects. It's got some a, a great story, some frankly spectacular cameos in this. Uh, not just of the, the, the Ghostbusters. There's other stuff in it, too. Um, my one flaw with this movie was the use of language, which is... It was just really odd because there were a lot of oh darn and shucks and stuff like that. And I realized that the main characters in this movie are the kids, uh, Egon's grandkids. But if you heard kids today, they don't say darn and shucks and rats and whatever. And on top of that, I think that's why this movie got the PG-13 rating was because of language that isn't there. I'm not sure why this isn't a PG movie. Um, it can't go down to G because there are some spooky things. But it, it, and I don't want to say it's following the formula of the original. But there are a lot of parallels to it that make it a bit spookier. And even with the characters, um, Phoebe and Trevor, which are Egon's grandkids, she's Egon. He's kind of like Venkman. In a weird kind of way. Um, there's a, uh, they meet a character there, Nate, and he, I'm not making his name up. His name is Podcast. I don't know <laughs> if that's his actual name or if that's the nickname they give him because he constantly has a microphone, constantly recording things for his podcast. Um, he's there actually for exposition. And you know what? As a character, he works. He's kind of a comic relief thing, almost like Ray. Hmm. Uh, Paul Rudd is a school teacher in the town, and for some reason, all of the kids seem to be going to summer school. They, they, I'm sure there's an explanation. They didn't really get to it. Doesn't matter. Uh, he's not a particularly good teacher because as they all get into the summer school uh, classroom, he explains. See, how, well, how did he phrase this? Apparently, this school still runs on VHS, but I still have a lot of tapes. So here, watch this film. It's called Cujo. <laughs> Great teacher. So, but he ends up being uh, also really good for exposition because he knows what, he, he's the one who knows that there's earthquakes in the town and there shouldn't be. Although we're not really sure why he's in the town. I would have liked a better explanation of that. But you know what? It doesn't matter. He ends up being kind of like, and I had to look up the character name because I'd forgotten, Lewis Tully, who was in the first movie, only he's <laughs> much less annoying. Um, this, of course, leave, leaves Egon's daughter as the Dana Barrett of the film. And you know what? That That's fine. You've got all the parallels. All of the characters are here. You've got a actually a really good story that works with it. Um, the special effects, like I said, were really great. The cameos were spectacular. There are some great one lines in this, one of which I'm going to try to throw into the end, our end credit sequence at some point. Um, this was this was a really good film if you even vaguely liked either of the first two and no I'm not counting the third because the third one doesn't exist I've wiped it from my head The uh, if you liked either of the first two go see this one 
wear a mask, but go see this one. Um, it's not quite the movie of the year for me, but it's definitely in the top three. Ooh. So, awesome. yeah, there, there's our thing. Uh, there, there's our show for the week, I think, actually. So would, kind yeah. of like the uh, kind of like the Star Trek films. Go see the even-numbered ones. The odd-numbered ones are optional, I think. Um, but definitely, you know, see Ghostbusters Afterlife. Whether if you wait for it till it gets home, that's fine. If you want to go see it in a theater, just remember that COVID still exists. And if you want to go out, you should wear a mask. Otherwise, stay home and watch a movie. Captain, we're losing power in the warp engines. I think we should be leaving now. I'm going to go home and sleep with my wife. Uh, and on that unusually harmonious bombshell, it is time to end. I am very disappointed. Man, we have a weird job. It's shameful, but uh, eh, it's a living. And like that, he's gone. My country.